I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right. Good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me and happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. Well, to those of you who are celebrating it with a loved one, is a single man who is roaming the countryside around this country by myself. To those of you in madly in love, uh, let's, let's keep it down a little bit this year. Try to control yourself. Some of us don't need to see that. This year, I'm actually very envious of people. You know, I, I wish two real things. Well, you wish a ton of different things for your children. But if two of the biggies are uh, obviously good health. I have tried to empower my children with the knowledge that they need to actually maintain their health and live as God intended on this planet. And then I think a very close second would be a good partner in life. So if you have that, understand you have had a very big part of life's lottery. Even when other things go, there's nothing worse than poor health and being alone. I would imagine that's, uh, that's a killer. So as I, am, as I am a single man at this point in my life, it is imperative of me to, to maintain my health. There is not much more depressing than thinking of going down. There's been a, you know, a couple of times I've taken a fall and I've thought, man, if I really hurt myself, I'd, I'd be in some pretty big trouble. I'd have some friends with some heavy lifting to do, and I don't know I could ask them to do that. So anyway, congratulations. If you're celebrating Valentine's Day and you got a good one with you, congratulations. That's a huge thing. So enjoy the day. All right, lights to get to today. I'm going to start off with a couple of quotes of the day today. I love this one. This is a Ricky Gervais quote. Ricky Gervais said, quote, When you are dead, you do not know you are dead. It's only painful and difficult for others. The same applies when you're stupid. (laughs) When you are dead, you do not know you are dead. It's only painful and difficult for others. The same applies when you're stupid. Amen. I thought this was kind of an interesting quote. I've not ever featured this particular individual before. This is Erwin Rommel. I believe he was referred to as the Desert Fox in World War II. I hope I'm getting this right. He was a Nazi. Uh, I believe he was the Desert Fox leading the uh, Nazi troops in Africa. But he had an interesting quote, and I want you to think about this for a second as as I go through this. Listen to these categories of people that Rommel refers to and think about where about 90% of our political class falls into uh, this list. Erwin Rommel said this, quote, Men are basically smart or dumb and lazy or ambitious. He said the dumb and ambitious ones are dangerous and I get rid of them. The dumb and lazy ones I give mundane duties. 
The smart, ambitious ones I put on my staff. The smart and lazy ones I make my commanders. Now, I'm sure there's probably something funny in there about the last one, the smart and lazy ones I make my commanders, but with somebody with no military service, I don't really quite understand that. But if you think think about what he's saying, the first category he lays out is the dumb and ambitious. And so what Rommel says is the dumb and ambitious ones are dangerous, and I get rid of them. Now, I would say out of this whole category, there's some dumb, lazy ones, I'm sure, in politics. But to get into politics, particularly, we talk here a lot about the national scene. And even when you get into statewide offices, there's very ambitious people at the top of statewide offices. And I would say the state governments are run about as effectively and efficiently in most states as is the federal government. We are saddled with Rommel's least favorite category of people, the dumb and ambitious ones. And I think we're living proof that he was right. They are dangerous, and we should get rid of them peacefully, peacefully, of course, through the ballot box. I, um, I, I may be slightly, I'm always looking for myself to be a hypocrite in some way, find out where I'm hypocritical. I, I would say one of the things maybe I vacillate on some that could qualify as some level of hypocrisy is political theater. Now, as an overarching thing, I don't like political theater because I realize it just gets everybody all stirred up for no reason. We get stirred up against one person, so we have to back another person. We put all our energy into backing this person or this party or this group, only to find out when they rise to power, we get nothing. And this is really my big problem with political theater, but... I got to tell you, I have to admit that the Joe Biden stuff that's going on right now is quite the cliffhanger. (laughs) So we found out in the last week that according to this report on classified documents, and even this story is interesting to me because I'm not sure what it means, but what the takeaway was and what the mainstream media ran with is that Biden is too senile to stand trial for abuse of classified documents. Now, this is interesting in a couple of different ways because I didn't know that prosecutors ever made a decision on based on what they thought a jury might perceive should a trial take place. Isn't that convenient? How many people out there have been prosecuted by the federal government or government at any level, regardless of whether or not they were a nice person? or we, we, Don't we have little old ladies that are doing some time right now for January 6th? And I would imagine they weren't prosecuted by a jury of their peers. The federal government just came down on them so hard until they settled, which is what the federal government does the majority of the time, because they have unlimited resources and they can bankrupt you. But this idea that, well, you know, Joe Biden did some things wrong here. And, you know, if he was if he was a young, young guy that nobody really liked, we'd prosecute him. But because he's a kindly old man with just a bad memory, we don't think a jury would probably convict him. Is that what I'm getting from this? I'll, I'll admit I didn't take a deep dive into it. But from everything I heard, that was kind of the thing. Now, of course, many people have pointed to, rightfully, well, if he can't stand trial because he's too senile, should he be running the country? And what's interesting about this, Joe Biden went out and did a disastrous press conference to, to show us all how mentally competent he was. And then some of the people in the administration going out and trying to convince the country that Joe Biden's on top of his game 
If you go into a meeting with him, you better be prepared. I mean, come on. There's not a person who believes this. But the other interesting thing about this is the fact that the media actually ran with this story of him basically being senile. Now, there's a couple of interesting things about that. Number one, were they running with the senile story because the actual, and I haven't read this report, it was 350 pages, and I think we've really focused on a few lines from this thing, from what I've seen in media, and that's largely Twitter. I, don't, I can't watch national news or anything, but the gist of what I get is that everybody focused in on just a few sentences out of 350 pages. So is the media focusing us in on this one little thing, this one little sentence by this special prosecutor, because they don't want anybody paying attention to the other 350 pages minus the two sentences they've got us focused on, because what he did was absolutely so criminal that certainly is very likely, but of course it's rules for us and not for them. We know how that works. But the other thing is, are we seeing that they are ready to throw Joe Biden uh, under the bus? See, I don't think this was some you know independent assessment by this special prosecutor that really surprised everyone that this was included in the report. I just don't believe that's the, how things work. We know what the Justice Department under Merrick Garland, and it, uh, Garland running it is. It, it's corrupt from the top to the bottom. I would imagine the special prosecutor went, took this report, and you know they said you can either say this or not say this. So they let this stuff in about him not having a good memory. I don't think they used the term senile. So they either did that to distract from the fact that he's committed various federal crimes or they left it in there because they are starting to run the operation against Joe Biden to get him replaced. So I will admit I am kind of fascinated by exactly what's going on with Joe Biden, because is he going to run? Is there anybody out there that really thinks even I mean, honestly, I, I don't know how many Biden fans or Biden supporters I might have listening to this show. I don't think I've ever met one. So please Email me and introduce yourself. I've never met a Biden supporter. I've met people who like Democrats. I've met people who hate Trump. I've met people who don't like Republicans. I've never met anybody who said, oh, yeah, I like Joe Biden. At least not in the last four or five years. So it'll be interesting to see if they are planning to, to upend him. But I, I don't think even the most ardent supporter of Joe Biden says, oh, yeah, he's got another five years in him. No problems. I mean, you really have to have a level of delusion to actually believe that. So it's interesting to me, you know, what, who will replace him? How will they do it? What will they do with Kamala? And if he would die, that would certainly help Democrats, I would imagine. That would be really their dream thing. So they may make that happen. It's been known to happen before. I ran across this clip as Biden was doing some of his I'm not senile speaking tour. And it was a big swing and a miss. It really just confirmed what everybody else already knew, is that the guy cannot make, make it through a few minutes of public address without massive gaffes and pauses and all kinds of things. So I don't have a clip of him. You've heard him now ad nauseum over the past couple of weeks. But I found another person maybe we should consider for president of the United States. For those of you out there satisfied with, with Joe Biden right now, I think I've got somebody that could uh, step in for Joe Biden if they take him out, and we wouldn't miss a step. Matter of fact, it would probably be more entertaining. And I'm speaking of Gary Busey. 
here, here was an interview clip that I ran across with Gary Busey. And tell me if this doesn't sound a little Biden-esque. Let's talk about your cable ace award. Let's talk about buttered sausage. Talk about buttered sausage, where it comes from, what it does. Why is it doing what it's doing? Get it out of my face. What about buttered, buttered, buttered sausage? That's not your jam. It's not your thing. You don't like it? It's not my jam. I don't buy jam. I buy honey, and I kiss it on the lips. <laughs> it's got it all. It's got some irrational anger. It's got some nonsensical rambling. And then it's even got a little bit of... Uh, aggressive, creepy, sexual tension to it, the same way that Joe Biden is when he runs into uh, <laughs> any small girls. <laughs> anyway, I'm just floating it out there. If the Democrats are looking for somebody that can't be Biden, somebody that can be manipulated, but we wouldn't miss a step when it comes to the mental acuity currently in the White House, I'm going to recommend, uh, I'll recommend Gary Busey. I've got some stories here on... Uh, Wanted to take a look a little bit at Bidenomics. I'll mention this real quick, too. There's other one other political cliffhanger that, that is I'm finding interesting, and I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen with Joe Biden. Everybody knows, you know, oh, they're going to replace her with Michelle Obama in May. Well, maybe so. I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me. It, it, uh, who knows? Who knows? But I am definitely somebody who just says, man, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And there's another one. Javier Mille, I, I feel compelled as the only libertarian radio show probably in Mississippi on terrestrial radio to really kind of chronicle exactly what's going on with this new president of Argentina, Javier Mille. I'll tell you, he's another cliffhanger for me, too. Libertarians, it's weird. There are libertarians of two minds like every other group. There's always infighting. Libertarian Party is absolutely horrible about, about infighting. Um, but there's one group within libertarians that say, look, Javier Mille is the real deal, and we shouldn't always be so cynical and jaded and suspicious, and we should just accept that it's a win. Now, I've said the win to me was that the people in Argentina finally said enough is enough, and they wanted to do something different. Whether this guy is real or not, it said something that a national election was won by somebody who professed to be a libertarian, meaning people have an appetite for that, particularly after several currency crises and inflation running north of 100% a year for a while. It, it takes a little bit, apparently, to get people on board with libertarianism, but it finally happened in Argentina. That was the win. But as far as Javier Millet, there's, a, there's this part of libertarians that say, look, quit being so cynical. Just take the win. We got a good one down in Argentina. And then there's another group of people, particularly within libertarianism, that says, look, he's just another one of them. He used to be in the World Economic Forum. But then he went to the World Economic Forum and he read him the Riot Act on socialism. And so the, the people will say, well, he's just a plant. And I've said many times, I think it was Albert Pike I mentioned last week that said, uh, when the people need a hero, we will provide them with one. And I've said, I am, I'm excited that the people of Argentina made a choice. Javier Millet has made some big cuts to government, supposedly. I'm not down there. I'm not reading the Argentinian press, but what's been reported, he's cut a lot of departments, cut a lot of personnel, done a lot of things in Argentina already within 18 days that sounded pretty impressive to me. But uh, I'm, the jury's still out on exactly who this guy is. He's doing some very concerning things, I'll say that. Apparently, and a couple of people had sent this to me, he's calling for the third temple to be built in Israel. He has got a serious love affair with the 
government of Israel. Now, I'm absolutely fine if you've got an affinity for Jewish people or Jewish religion or any of that, that kind of stuff. Uh, but he is, I mean, he is over the top. He, he is a Zionist. So I, I, my suspicions, my spidey senses go off a little bit there. And then when I see he wants this third temple built, you know, that is something that could very easily lead to a very serious war uh, in the Middle East. And now I see he's actually praising the Pope. Now, I don't follow papal politics too much, but my understanding of the Pope is, is he our first, uh, like, confessed socialist Pope? Have I got the right one? As you can tell, I have only a glancing knowledge of this, but I got to tell you, I haven't been real impressed with popes for a while. Uh, this one in particular, and apparently Javier Millet is now praising the Pope and siding with the government of Israel. Now, the only difference, the only slack I would give Javier Millet is that he's in a smaller country that's not very powerful, so if his foreign policy is horrific, he may still be able to accomplish great things to his country, for his country because he doesn't run the empire like the United States does. It's much more dangerous to have bad people with foreign policy ideas in the United States because they can spend trillions of dollars on their bad idea, and they can go around the world seemingly with impunity, just bombing country after country. Argentina does not have that power. They don't swing that big stick. So there's still a possibility that he will be great for the country and just absolutely have horrific foreign policy ideas and still be successful and be considered a good libertarian there. Of course, the jury's still out. We have no idea which way it's going to go, but it is, a, it's a, like I say, it's another cliffhanger. I'm waiting to see how that story is written for Argentina. Boy, it would be nice for libertarians to have one thing to point to, one country that stood out and said, no, we're going free markets and freedom for the people and watch it work. The last time that happened, I believe, was 1776. I'll be right back. Don't stop me now. Don't stop me. Cause I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger. Defying the laws of gravity. I'm a racing car. The stock market has been on quite the tear, making uh, record highs. Now, it's this is one of those things where, and does, does anybody give Joe Biden credit for a record stock market returns? Of course not. He, he's a net drag on the economy, as is the entire federal government and basically every president who has served uh, in modern times. But when when Donald Trump was pointing to records in the stock market, everybody was cheering and talking about what a success it was. It showed how America was back. It's just interesting. You know, we, we look at polls through our political lens. This poll is right. and This poll is wrong. <laughs> Does anybody have confidence in the U.S. economy because stock market is hitting record highs? Because this was Donald This was one of the things he focused on. It was so disappointing to me. He started out his term. Joe, uh, Donald Trump saying it was a big, fat, ugly bubble, and then he blew more air into it through federal spending and corporate bailouts and declared it was a great victory while he was in office. Very disappointing to me. Well, Joe Biden, everything seems to be just humming along. The stock market making record highs. GDP is going up. Of course, 
They don't pay attention to the trillions of dollars of debt it is taking to get us any movement in GDP. But uh, here's some other statistics on the Biden economy. This is as the stock market, as Wall Street does better than ever, as the top 90, uh, what's the top, uh, well, it's the top 1%. They own, I can't remember what it is, 60, 70% of financial assets, something like that. Funny how they always win. Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, it just doesn't matter. The, the moneyed class always does really well. Isn't that a strange coincidence? But uh, here's some statistics of today's economy. We have a new record $17.5 trillion in household debt. A record $12.3 trillion in mortgages, a record $1.6 trillion in auto loans, a near record $1.6 trillion in student loans. Of course, we know people aren't paying those back anymore, so I guess that's just going to end up transferring over to the debt side of everything. And we have a record $1.1 trillion in credit card debt. Right now, total mortgage debt is up by more than double the 2006 peak. We remember how that worked out in the real estate market. And total credit card debt is officially up 50% since 2020. Meanwhile, the delinquency rate on credit cards and auto loans just hit their highest since the 2008 financial crisis. And the writer of this post says consumers are, air quotes here in the studio, fighting inflation by using more debt. That cannot end well. Uh, this is one of my least favorite people on the planet, Janet Yellen, our new Treasury Secretary, or Biden's Treasury Secretary, former head of the Federal Reserve, the Death Star, as I call it. But she was grilled by, by uh, what's this guy's name? Kennedy? He's from Louisiana, isn't he? No, he's, he's a very good questioner in terms of getting sound bites on TV. He's got a pretty decent sense of humor, pretty sharp at his questioning. I am going to point something out along the way, but I want you to listen to this little troll, this little troll, Janet Yellen. And if you've ever seen her, her speaking style is so off-putting. I really wonder, I guess there can be really intelligent people who cannot orally communicate I guess that's possible. I've I've posited. Can you can anybody with really atrocious grammar be really intelligent? And it doesn't matter. I mean, you maybe you're street smart. Maybe you're the greatest, most successful person. I'm just you know, I'm just trying to figure out how intelligent people are. This this troll Janet Yellen, the way she speaks, I just think this it, it's it, she is the financial equivalent to the financial state of America that Joe Biden is to everything else. It just feels like we've got just abject incompetence. I mean, they're corrupt, so they're playing the game. They're making things keep going like they're supposed to go for the elites. But she just does not sound very swift. But I want you to listen to what she has to say about prices and inflation for all us little people. About a recession. It will take a recession to get these prices down. Well, we don't have to get the prices down. Because wages, wages are going up, and um, a, a metric that is worth knowing is that the median American house worker but, but let me um, stop is able get to buy You don't think we need to get these prices down? You think it's okay that bacon's up 20% under President Biden? Chicken's up 23.5%? Coffee's up 30%? Gas is up 44%. New cars and trucks are up 20% because people can't afford a 
Are, that's used cars because people can't afford a new car. It, they're up 24% under Bidenomics. You don't like. Okay, okay. He said the word. I've got to point this out. He's got the former head of the Federal Reserve sitting in front of him. The Federal Reserve that prints money out of thin air and injects it out into the economy, with, and, and particularly facilitating his government, the government he works for. He's been there for a while. And they overspend, and the Fed prints up the money to allow them to overspend. That's what causes the inflation. He uses that term, Bidenomics. He could grill Janet Yellen right now and saying, what do you think about a central bank that creates trillions of dollars out of thin air that is just crushing Americans with inflation? But he doesn't. He uses the term Bidenomics. Now, Joe Biden is an absolute train wreck across the board in every single category, economics, uh, included. But Joe Biden didn't create this inflation. He's helped stoke it. He's done as no, enough uh, to exacerbate it, but not as much yet as Donald Trump did. And before him, Barack Obama and George Bush and all of these presidents who signed massive spending bills and encouraged the Federal Reserve to print up all of this money and flush it out into the economy in terms of corporate welfare and little stimmy checks to people. He's got the perfect person sitting in front of him. She's the Treasury Secretary now, and she used to be the head of the Fed. He could really educate the American people on inflation and why it's happening, but instead he's going to get you to focus on this one dementia patient in the White House and try to lay it all at Joe Biden's feet. It's a it's very disappointing. That aside, just listening to Janet Yellen try to tell the American people, oh, don't worry about it. Wages are up too. wages are more than covering the cost of inflation. Nobody should have any complaints. Now, remember, this is a woman. What did she make between the time she was at the Federal Reserve and the time she started at the Treasury was it something like $7 million in speaking fees she got for a couple of these ridiculous... And you understand, the speaking fees are like book deals. It's not for the value of anything she says to any conference. It's essentially special interest groups. If you've done the bidding of special interest groups while you're in office at the Federal Reserve, when you get out, they'll give you their, your bribe money by paying you exorbitant speaking fees. Or maybe they, you didn't get something from her when she was fed, but you know she's going to the Treasury, and so you give her extraordinary speaking fees to come speak to your group because when she gets to the Treasury, she'll make decisions that benefit your industry or your company. So this is a woman that collected, I believe it was, $7 million in speaking fees just in the short time between when she was the Federal Reserve Chief and the head of the U.S. Treasury. So, of course, she doesn't really, she probably doesn't even notice that prices are up. The government's probably paying for most of what she does anyway, this despicable little troll. But just listen to her. We need to get these prices. Wait, wages are also up, and wages are up They're more. not up 24%. They're not well, up 27%. Well, They're not up 23%. They're not well, what, up 31 I'm, I'm sorry, but what is... People are really getting what, good at barely getting by because of Bidenomics. Look, oh, he did it again. American households have many pressures on their budgets, and um, President Biden is devoted to doing so Americans, on average, are better off in spite of the fact that the level of prices is higher. Oh, my gosh. Holy cow. Whew. That is tough to take. My already innate disgust and dis just I just despise that woman. 
And then to listen to her say that. So American people, it's all in your heads. The inflation stuff is just, it's just all in your heads. I got to take a break. I'll be right back. We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. I was looking at something else. Someone had put out something about CVS. You know, just talking about government spending in the poor, the sad state of this country as is right now. CVS put out an earnings statement. I meant to look up their stock price and see what it's been doing. But apparently it had a pretty good fourth quarter, I think it was. Anyway, someone put out a copy of their balance sheet. It shows that these are premium revenues. 70% of their premium revenues, and I, I'll be honest, I didn't do a deep enough dive to figure this, but the number itself just disgusted me. From, from their commercial operations in these premium revenues, at least that's how it's listed on their balance sheet, they make $7.6 billion. That's from the commercial side. From the government side, this is CVS, supposedly an air quotes here in the studio, private business. To, to their $7.6 billion in commercial revenues, they get 17.4% in government revenues. And see, this is why things don't change. These people, there's so many uh, powerful interests, big employers, special interest groups have, have latched onto the government teat, and, and it is their, their way of living. A couple of things I wanted to do about... about uh, medicine in general, particularly related to COVID. Thomas Massey put this out. Thomas Massey, this was um, just a few days ago. Just think about this. This is 2024. And Thomas Massey says, I had a family member go to the hospital for an issue unrelated to COVID. They tested for COVID, and the doctor said he needed remdesivir, even though he had no COVID symptoms. He had displayed symptoms at home the week prior. Again, he went to the hospital for something unrelated to COVID. He had no symptoms of COVID whatsoever. The doctor tries to put him on remdesivir. Thomas Massey goes on to say he refused to take remdesivir, and the doctor was flabbergasted. Of course, the guy is home, and he's doing fine now. But can you believe? I mean, our medical establishment. Holy cow. And, and I'm going to show you in just a second. I'm going to tell you. Doctors are about to be in for a really rude awakening. And this is going to be almost funny to see. I'm not sure if I could, should go on air and warn them of what's coming. But I, I should. A lot of people still trust their family physicians. These mainstream doctors. And maybe if I could get the doctors to understand that the incentives, the financial incentives are not lined up for them in the long run right now. Uh, this came to mind. Uh, this was a commercial. I believe this aired during the Super Bowl. And this is uh, for, well, Plaxovid. Pla Plaxovid, Plaxo, whatever. The COVID medication from Pfizer. But I want you to listen at the end. Just listen at the end. I mean, how many of us got COVID? And you might have felt bad, but it was just a big nothing for the for so many people, particularly if you pay attention to your health with any 
interest whatsoever on a daily basis. But this is the commercial for Plaxovid. Uh, and I want you to just listen to Listen to what you're risking to take this medication for something that's not a danger to 99.9% .9 of people's health or lives. COVID-19. I'm not waiting. If it's COVID, Paxlovid. Paxlovid is an oral treatment for adults with mild to moderate COVID-19 and a high risk factor for it becoming severe. It does not prevent COVID-19. My symptoms are mild now, but I'm not risking it. If it's COVID, Paxlovid. Paxlovid must be taken within the first five days of symptoms and help stop the virus from multiplying in your body. Take so does zinc. Taking Paxlovid with certain medicines can lead to serious or life-threatening side effects what? or affect how it or other medicines work, including hormonal birth control. It's critical to tell your doctor about all the medicines you take because certain tests or changes in their dosage may be needed. Tell your doctor if you have kidney or liver problems, HIV-1, are or plan to become pregnant or breastfeed. Don't take Paxlovid if you're allergic to Nurmatrelvir, Ritonavir, or any of its ingredients. Serious side effects can include allergic reactions, some severe, like anaphylaxis, and liver problems. These are not all the possible side effects, so talk to your doctor. If it's COVID, Paxlovid. Ask your doctor today. Oh, you, you got to love the fact that, that, that there's not enough time in a one-minute ad for Pfizer to go through all of the possible side effects of this thing. So we'll refer you some, somewhere else to read the laundry list of possible bad outcomes from this drug. 2024, people are still buying this. Now, judging by the performance of uh, I believe it is a, a Moderna and Pfizer stock. I think people are starting to catch on. Not a little, up, not a lot of uptake for these things, but they continue to advertise. Not because they really want to get the word about Paxlovid. I mean, that's a nice benefit, but basically, they need to keep funneling money to the media so the media won't actually do any investigative reporting on what took place during COVID and from this Operation Warp Speed nightmare we're all living through right now. But here was the interesting thing, and I think it was this commercial. That was an audio recording. I think it was this commercial. Have you seen, noticed the push towards telemedicine? And I would caution doctors. I See, I think it's interesting what doctors in this country have now created, and I think they're about to be on the losing end of this thing. What you've created is a system where if you have any complaints about your health, there's a pill for that. And basically, to walk into a doctor's office, what do you pay? $100 for an office visit? I wouldn't know. I don't get sick. And I sure as hell, not going to go see a doctor if I've got a sniffle or the flu or anything else. I understand. I've got 50 plus years now of having the flu. I kind of know what to expect and how to handle it. It's always amazing to me. Oh, I didn't feel good, so I went to the doctor. <laughs> Why? So they could tell you what you already knew. But anyway, they'll dole out a pill for that, right? So they've spent years and years, decades now, of basically saying, you got any complaints, come into the office. You tell us what the complaint is. We, in our computer-like minds, were taught in medical school, there's a pill for every complaint you've got. And I'm just going to write you a prescription for that pill. That's it. That's really what they do. No investigation as to, you know, what have you been eating, you know, other things that may be, may be wrong with you to get down to the root source of it. No, they just look at all of the symptoms you have and they give you a pill for each one of those unique symptoms. Well, that can be done on a TV screen or that can be done by AI. And what's going to be very interesting for me to see is over the coming 10 years, as doctors are less and less 
necessary. Now, see, it would take a, a good relationship with a smart, capable physician to say, here's what's happening with my health, and the doctor actually do a deep dive with you on your lifestyle, on what you're eating, your family history, with some blood tests that they can interpret, find out if you've got enough iron, enough testosterone, enough vitamin D. That might take a doctor's input. You could really, there are great doctors out there that if you collaborate with them on your health, they can make a profound impact on how good you feel every day and how healthy you stay. But that's not most of them. Most of them just push pills. So, well, you can go ahead and write it down as a prediction right now. Another thing that Mike Madison will be right about. It takes a long time for a lot of things I say to come true. <laughs> but I believe this one is going to bear out. Doctors, you've set up this pill for every symptom thing, and now you are almost useless. You are actually a barrier between the pharmaceutical companies getting the immediate quick fix. Now patients can just log into a website, get some face from some guy that sits in a basement somewhere. You, doctors are going to be like sweatshop workers. They're going to be like a, what they call the boiler rooms for the guys that used to push stocks. They're just going to have you in a bunch of cubicles, not seeing patients. Just a face comes on, says, I don't feel good. Boom, antidepressant next. And they're going to pay you about $36 an hour to do that. Because you really have almost no value. And the reason I bring it up is because one of these commercials, and I think it was at Paxlovid, they showed the woman doing telemedicine, getting her Paxlovid. And it hit me. Ah, I think doctors have overplayed their hands. Being a pill pusher is not hard to replicate online these days between AI and Zoom calls. Your days may be numbered. We'll see if you don't regret being a pill for every ill. Got to take a break. I'll be right back. All right, we are back. Final segment here. You know, I actually thought during that break how sad it is. How many great people went into medicine, you know, from an early age in their childhood? They thought, I really want to help people. Same for nurses. How many of them had just great intentions going in, and then they just got their brains rewired by big pharma and medical equipment salespeople? while they were in medical school, so where they come out and they think it's perfectly normal to operate a healthcare system the way they do now, where we're sicker than ever and more heavily medicated than ever. Because they still kind of strut around like it's a big success. Having the white lab coat on makes you some kind of a god, not really paying attention to the outcomes. Really sad, because there's great people in medicine. But they, like so many people, get caught up in bad systems and trained in horrific ways. Speaking of horrific... I don't have time to go in today, and probably nobody wants to hear about it. Well, I'm sure there'll be other things that come up where we talk about this horrific Operation Warp Speed crime against humanity that's ongoing, still up to and including today. But there, something even worse could be on the horizon. Check this out. Chicago's manufacturing facility looks like a nursery, but inside these plants, they're growing a new kind of vaccine. The technology is called a virus-like particle. At Medicago, we use a careful step-by-step -step process to develop vaccines, using our plants as mini bioreactors. We start with the gene sequence, or code, of a virus. 
We then use our technology to synthesize the virus code into a real biological product. The code contains genetic instructions that our plants can read, and we insert it into bacteria called Agrobacterium tumefaciens. We submerge the plants in a bath with the bacteria that carries the information into the plant cells. And using a vacuum, we suck out the air between the plant cells and replace it with the liquid. The plants absorb it like a sponge. At the end of their bacterial bath, we return our plants to a carefully controlled greenhouse to let them get on with their natural growing business for at least four days. Now the plants will start producing the most important ingredient of our vaccines, virus-like particles. What could go wrong? <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with that? Oh my gosh. I am just wondering, how long is it going to be? Until we find ourselves in a situation where we have to be worried when we order a salad somewhere if we are being unwillingly and unknowingly vaccinated. Air quotes here in the studio around that word. We're being experimented on. Now, I could go on and on about the experiments that have been ongoing with GMO foods and everything else that they're putting into our food supply. But this would be quite a step too far. So this is how technology is marching on and threatening. They're getting vaccines into plants. I'm telling you, it's not a big leap. And in that ad, some people sent me that, you know, with the idea that, that they're going to put vaccines in our food. That sounds to me like they are using these plants as a source of these specially created gain-of-function bacteria that they are working on, but it is not a big leap whatsoever to think that the next step is they will start putting these in our food. If I'd had the foresight to do it, I would imagine I could find Bill Gates saying something along those lines uh, himself. So anyway, be on guard. Hell, doctors, you may be replaced with a salad bar at the Golden Corral before it's all said and done. Be careful if you're advising your child to take out a $500,000 in student loans to become a doctor. I think they're heading towards obsolescence. Just well, just, a, just something to keep an eye on. Anyway, that's all the time I've got today. Have a fantastic Valentine's Day. I'll see everybody tomorrow. Uh, bye-bye.